White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 718. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and somewhere in Ohio, it's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Andy, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm glad that we are back together again and um, ready to talk about yet another of these mysterious, generically titled episodes from the middle <laughs> of Season 4. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. And we are midway through season four now, Andy. What do you? Th- what do you? Well, we've talked at length about what we think so far. But uh, did right. this episode? Before we get into our specifics, did this episode do any? Did it move the needle for you on season four? Or are we still kind of tapping our foot? We're still kind of tapping our foot. But I, I enjoyed this episode. But uh, it, it's it it didn't move it yeah. beyond where it is right now. So it, yeah. it it didn't bring it down. But it didn't it didn't move it up either. I, I, I have a quick I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Before we go any further, why is it that you get Palatial Studios and I'm stuck in my son's playroom in the basement? <laughs> that's a question for uh, that's above my pay grade, sir. You have to talk to <laughs> you have to talk to higher ranking people in this institution than, than me for that information. All I right. can't help you there. I'm sorry to, to, to sidetrack us, but yeah, it's no, I, it, it it was it was a good episode, but it, it's kind of keeping the the median here going. It's it's you know. Yeah, it. I enjoyed it more than I expected that I would because there's this run of episodes in the middle of season four, lines of communication. Um, I can't even remember what this. They're so generic, right? Lines of communication, <laughs> right. conflicts of conflicts interest, of rumors, interest. bargains, and lies. I mean, yep. they could be episodes of anything. That could be CSI Miami or something. Right, those titles, right. you know. And so I can't ever remember after a layoff between watching the series, you know, of years usually, I get to these and I'm like, I I know it probably involves evil Garibaldi. I know it probably (laughs) involves uh, the buildup with Delin and the Minbari. And those are the two things I remember from the middle of season four. And and then there's the slow burn with Clark, right? That just seems like it's never going to get here. The, The... I remember watching this the very first time this year, this season, you know, back in '97, and thinking, "When are we ever going to get to the to the Clark thing?" Because, you know, even the Shadow War is receding in the rearview mirror, and we still don't feel like we're any right. closer to the Clark resolution. You know, I just we we want that gratification, and it just keeps holding off and holding I, off. You know, I'm kind of enjoying. I, at first, I was a little taken aback by how. I don't want to say middling, but how just average these these episodes were. But now that I'm looking at w- from a different perspective, I'm kind of enjoying the breathing room that it's giving 
the the overall arcs and it yeah I, I can't rate these any higher than a 3 or a 3.5 or what have you because they're not spectacular, right. but they're good, solid episodes, and it, it it's making me anticipate the big finale that's coming down the road even more. So I, it, I'm, it's true. I, I, I've, I'm seeing this in a whole new perspective, and I'm, I'm after this particular episode especially, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying these. Yeah, you know, one could be forgiven for thinking, because you remember when this show first aired, nobody was doing a continuing story with a resolution. I've, I've right. pointed this out a million times, not necessarily on this show, but to people over the years. I've always, people will say, oh, that's that, you know, Babylon 5, that's that soap opera show. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's, you think it's a soap opera because it has ongoing plots that connect episode to episode. But and a lot of soap opera actors. And a lot of soap opera actors. But, <laughs> yes, but the difference is soap operas by design never end and never intend to come to the conclusion of stories. They intend to just right. drag out for as long as they can. Whereas right. this was always going to have an ending. And so if you were dropped in the middle of this series right now, in the middle of this season, you know, you could be forgiven for thinking that Babylon 5 is a show that never ends or is never intended to end about a space station at odds with the president back on the homeworld, right? Because right. by the end of season one, Clark was in charge. By the very right. end. But but by the end of season one, we are now over halfway through season four, and nothing has changed on that. So right. to a large degree, the premise of this series is a space station at odds with the president. The only thing that's changed is that they declared independence. Right. Before Severed Dreams, they had to find clever ways to be at odds with him. Now they're just like they got divorced. You know, they're living in separate houses, but they still don't like each other. You know, so so that's basically the premise of the show. And the Shadow War coming along when it did, and the conclusion of it made me think, oh, we are going to get conclusions, right? We didn't know. Think about this: we didn't know until. 401 through 406 aired the first time. We didn't know if we would ever get a resolution, whether right. it was because the show got canceled or whether it was because JMS just was going to make it, you know, like Star Trek. There's right. there's not like one final episode of the original Star Trek where they defeat the Klingons and, you know, conquer the galaxy and Captain Kirk becomes, you know, prime minister of the Federation or something. That never happens. So there was no reason in 1997 for us to necessarily think, other than stuff JMS said online, and not everybody had access to that, right? There was no reason to think in 1997 that this was going to end or that it was intended to. So when we got the Shadow War conclusion, we didn't really talk about this, Andy. We talked about it, but I don't think we really touched enough on the fact that it happened. Just the very fact that there was an ending to one of the two main storylines of the entire, that was the premise of the entire show, right? Right, absolutely. That was huge. It was revolutionary. Yeah, yes. it, it, it was something that wasn't done on television. Yeah, I said that my, my girlfriend at the time had gone away for like a couple of weeks for a trip or something. I don't even remember. And when she came back and turned on the show and they were throwing the celebration and the fireworks and she's like, wait, what? That <laughs> still strikes me as hilarious. So, uh, so I had to let her borrow the VHS tape. But, um, but yeah. But what that meant was that now we knew there were endings, and if there was an right. ending to the Shadow War, then surely there would be an ending to the Earth War, to the to the Clark business. And now it's just a matter of when. When are we going to get the? When are we going to get the ending? When we just wanted to see Clark go down, right? 
Right. And, and how yeah. how is it, is it going to be a space battle? I mean, with all this intrigue and, and subterfuge and stuff like that, yeah. we don't know how the the final conflict was going to be with Clark. Is it going to be a big space battle? Is it going to be you know spies and assassinations? Is he going is he going to win? I mean, we 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 really didn't know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Well. Um, so this episode really does. I think um, it's not huge. In fact, I have a little note here somewhere in here because we have news to talk about first but i just want to finish out this thought by saying um i don't even know where my note is but it's it's not humongous but it's eventful it is so it is and it's a good character show especially for garibaldi we'll talk about that when we get into it absolutely all right we have big news we have big news coming in to about to babylon white rocket babylon 5 review podcast central god we got a long name for this show um, <laughs> what's going on in the world of Babylon 5 and JMS, Andy? I believe he mentioned something about an animated movie. Wow. Yeah, that, that was that was big. I, 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 that was very low on my list of possibilities. We talked about it. I feel like we, we touched did. on it, but we that, both kind of said... We touched on Yeah, we were like, no, that, that's, that's, that's too big. That's, that's yes. too much money. Yes. Yes. To to for for we we thought it'd be something much cheaper, much easier to do, like a radio drama. I thought it was gonna be a radio drama or a documentary compiling footage, behind the scenes footage and stuff, with cast interviews. Yes. But this this was huge because he can go back to the stories, and you mentioned you know like um, the Lost Tales. This is so much bigger than the Lost Tales because it is animated and with modern animation. It's limitless. I mean, the, 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 the story he can tell, he was very limited to the stories he could tell with the Lost Tales. Very limited by budget oh, sure. and, and cast and all that stuff. Everything so, was green but, screen, too, yeah. Right, right. Now, this is completely open. I mean, the, the story he can tell here is huge. And from what he's saying and from the description of the story, it's going to be mind-boggling. I mean, it crosses the galaxy. It crosses time. You know, the whole – I mean, it's a time-traveling adventure and the, the whole nine yards. So it's – and the, the cast that he has compiled, he is, with animation, he's able to bring back characters that it would be impossible to bring back in live action because yes. the, the actors have passed. Right. And I think but, that's, that's pretty cool. But they are going to have those characters. They've recast them with new voices. Exactly. And yep. he said that he checked with all the existing cast first and said, are you okay with me doing that? And he said, if anybody objected, they'd have shut it down. But Right. Everybody said, "Let's do it." Yep. By the way, that reminds me. I saw the list of the different characters. I don't. I don't think Peter Woodward was named. So there's no Galen. No. I don't think. No, there's no Galen. He's the 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 characters are Garibaldi, Jakar, Delenn, Franklin, Zathras. Those are all the actors that have passed that have been recast. And and uh, um, Sinclair. Yes, the same person's playing Sinclair is playing Zathras. I saw. Yeah. Now there is one notable character that was left out whose actor is still alive uh warren keffer will not be coming back oh no no No, marcus marcus will not be back for this which is oh kind of surprising and i but i I don't know what 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 the actor's health is like right now i know he had severe head trauma at one point in time and is not in great health so i don't know what's going on with that oh i didn't realize that that's too bad yeah Oh gosh, maybe he just declined or something. Then I'm not sure. I know he has a Facebook presence, but it is handled by his his um, management staff. Okay, his management assistant or whatever. So I I, I I don't know what what his what his condition is like, but yeah. 
Wow, that's too bad. I didn't realize. All right, well, my thought about it was this. Yeah, I, I, I was pretty sure it was going to be like new episode commentary. Since JMS has been doing some episode commentaries, you know, and putting them on YouTube, I was thinking that probably um, it was going to be something like that. So this is much bigger. Now, I had, I had sort of two directions this could go in my mind. Um, the, the, the good way is animation means there's very little limits on what we can see. It's pretty much the right. opposite of the Lost Tales, like you were intim- intimating there, that yep. that it's it, they can show different planets and spaceships and aliens and just, you know, who knows what all they can, they can include. That's awesome. Um, on the other hand, it, d- it does worry me that Babylon 5 works so much better as a long-form vehicle. Right. And, you know, for all that there are good things about in the beginning and third space and river of souls and called arms. None of them are anywhere near as good as just watching season three or season four. Right. Right. So I just worry that Babylon five was not designed to be an episodic entertaining action drama. And I, I wonder how this might go, but we'll see. I, I, well, I think unlike third space in the other standalone movies, this one touches on all of Babylon yeah. 5 because it is a, a time they they jump around in time so he's going to be able to touch on all the themes and all the the characters all the histories the un the unknown futures of, of characters and stuff like that so I think this is going to be a a pretty epic all-encompassing movie it, uh, it's not going to be like third space which was more of a two you know two hour standalone episode of Babylon 5. I think this is going to be right. a, a, a very large kind of like like uh, the the Avengers, the last two Avengers movies mm. kind of brought together all the, the threads into, you know, that one story, but it touched on everything. I, I think it'll be more like that than like a, a third space. Well, I hope so. And I like third space, by the way. I wasn't trying to right. impede well, third no, space. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree with you. But, but third space is its own thing. It's, it's Yes. It's not what we're looking for necessarily from from a Babylon Five movie these days, right? So, well, we'll see. I mean, um, I, just the fact that it has Zathras in it alone, I'm in right there. I mean, that's right. I'm always down for more Zathras, even though right. poor Tim Choate <laughs> left us a long time ago. But yeah, yeah. So. It it will be interesting to see if this is kind of like a a uh, like a, a test, like a mm-hmm. seeing what the reception to this would be, and if this would open the door for more animated movies that's or. True. Because, because Warner's doesn't own the animation rights to Babylon 5, could JMS, if this movie does well, take his new Babylon 5 ideas for a series and take them to a Amazon or a hmm. Netflix who, who have their own animation studios and yeah. say, hey, do you want a Babylon 5 series? Because they have adult animation stuff on both of those uh, uh, streaming networks. That's true. So That's true. It, it, it could be interesting to see if this is kind of like a, a, a test balloon type of thing to see what, uh, what the reception is. I think the main reason it surprised me that they were doing this is that I, you know, they were producing apparently this at the same time that JMS was fully believing he was going to have a brand new rebooted show on. Right. And so it just seems strange to be doing old Babylon 5 at the same time he's doing new Babylon 5. You'd think you'd want to kind of 
clear the decks and not make people think they're related or something. And you have to do one to do the other, you know, or something. Because right. the whole point of the uh, new one is that you don't need the old one. Right. Two things. A, I think he was keeping this as kind of like a backup. Because, hmm. you know, we didn't hear anything about it until the the new series was kind of, you know, put on the back burner. That's true. He never hinted at it or anything like that until then. Mm-hmm. So he may he may also have been keeping this from Warner's. I mean, yeah. we don't we don't know because because Warner's isn't involved with this at at all. They have no rights or anything like that. What do we know uh, about it then? Where did it come from? Who's it, who's 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 platforming it and all that? I I have no idea. We that none of that has been announced yet. So I I, I think a I think he's been you know keeping this as a backup plan in case the new series didn't work out. And B, I think this is his own thing. He doesn't need hmm. anybody from Warner's to be on board with this. So, you know, he could, I, I, I don't know, he could, you know. Well, if you count could. it as a movie, he has the rights to it. Because he has the movie rights to Babylon 5. He doesn't have the television rights. Well, he, the live action. He does, Warner's does not own the animation rights to Babylon 5. Okay. If he wants to do an animated series or an animated movie, he can do that. I don't know that animated had ever come up before, so I didn't really know. That's interesting. Yeah. I'd, never heard, I'd never heard it spoken of before this. So, Yeah. Huh. But all the talk I've heard seems to indicate it'll be on Max or HBO Max. That, that, that could very well be. But that's probably because they're associated with Warner. Right. If it's, if it's not associated with Warner, it could be on almost anything then. Right. Well, I, he may have offered it to Warner's first hmm. because they would be most receptive to it. I don't know. I, I don't think it's ever been – I don't think he's ever said – I don't think anybody's ever announced where it's going to be airing. I think that's all speculation right now. Yeah. All right. All we'll right. See. Well, the other thing of note, speaking of Lost Tales, is that one of our patrons, I believe, or listeners, pointed out that Lost Tales is now available on Amazon Prime for like a couple of bucks, right? Yeah, it's it's available to rent or buy on Amazon Prime. So, and not for very expensive, I don't think, and and surely not, right? Right. right. I think that was Allison that that sent us that message. Been. I'm not sure. I apologize. Whoever whoever sent it to us, thank you very much. That that was uh yeah. very helpful. But yeah. So I'm because um, I'm going to go back and watch it because at some point because I had the DVD and my copy got about halfway through and wouldn't play. I, I've seen it. I watched it all the way through the first time back in. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Lost Tales came out in 07. Right. I think that's what we determined. I had just moved up here, and I was like haunting Walmart, waiting on it to come out. <laughs> I'm like, is the Babylon Five DVD out? And they didn't have. They had no idea what I was talking about. Right. They had no clue what I was talking about. And when it finally right. came out, I'm like, snarch, and saw it one time. So, all right. Um, well. This episode that we are here to talk about tonight is 412, episode 12 of season 4, Conflicts of Interest. Could we have a more generic title? I don't think so. <laughs> title of episode would be the more generic title, I guess. <laughs> Wait till as, next week's episode. Oh, boy. All right. So, as always, who should read the summary? Who should give the uh, summary? I, I did it last time, so you can do it this time. Garibaldi takes on a new job. Remember, my, my summaries are very vague because they come from the right. Lurking Guide. <laughs> the Resistance's counter-propaganda broadcast begin. That would be Susan. Yeah. Susan has something to do again. Yay. Uh, and, yeah. and, and Sheridan proposes a plan to protect the non-aligned world from raiders. So the raiders are back. You thought the raiders had moved to Las Vegas or wherever, but the raiders are back. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen them, but they're back. Um, but I want to point out the Susan thing. Because, you know, we've talked before about how we 
how um, I was talking about how Susan is kind of like represents the station, and now she's the voice of the station. Right. So even better. Yep. She was already the Absolutely. conscience of the station. Now she's the voice of the station. It's pretty cool. Yep. That right. is cool. Um, I did not get the P5 rating for this episode, but I must know. So uh, filibuster for just two seconds, Andy, and I'll find it. <laughs> uh, I I enjoyed the fact that, that Susan came on full bore on this one. I mean, she yes. you know she was had the big deal at the end where she did her first broadcast, but she had a big important thing to do during the episode itself. I mean, she, she went did. down to Epsilon 3 in search, in search of draw and ran into an old friend, and uh, that was a fantastic scene. So oh, I, I, I was so excited that she was actively involved with, with the episode instead of being, a, you know, like the C-plot or an also-ran. Yes, absolutely. More Susan is always a good thing. We've determined this. Always a good thing. Yes, good absolutely. Thing. All right, this is where we play our little game of Andy Guesses the P5 rating. I'm going to say 7.3. <laughs> oh, my friend, you continue to underestimate our P5 voters. <laughs> Again, for, for our new listeners, the P5 rating is the aggregate of on a scale of, of 1 to 10, I guess, or 0 to 10, yep. of viewers back in the day when it first aired. This, uh, this website, Lurker's Guide, surveyed like hundreds of or thousands of B5 fans every week when the new show came out. And had them rate it, and then they aggregated the score on a scale of 1 to 10. Andy always guesses under, because I think we determined it's because it was bigger a bigger deal for us back then than right. it is now, right? We know right. what's coming, and so, all right. This one got a P5 rating of 8.04. Holy crap. I know, man. <laughs> People were excited to see Susan back, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Zathras. Sure. Zathras was always fun when he showed up, so that may have done. You know, God, I, when I, I realized that this was that episode, I was so happy. Yeah. A little Zathras cures a multitude of sins for Babylon 5. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know you don't want to use him too much. Right. Well, and that's what makes him so special. I mean, was he in, he's in, well, so far he's been in, what, four maybe? I think. Babylon Squared, War Without End, War Without End. And this one? Was there, there one was other? One. Maybe There was another one where he was on Epsilon 3. Yeah. I forget. I don't know. Well, there you go. It hasn't been more than five so no. far. All right. Um, the production number was 412. It originally aired just a few days past 26 years ago. That's crazy, wow. isn't it? It doesn't That's seem nuts. like it. It really doesn't. May fifth, nineteen ninety seven, was when it first aired. So it was it was May, just like it is now. We're recording this in May of twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, things on the internet last forever. So there'll be people in twenty fifty listening to this podcast and going, "Oh, they're recording this in twenty twenty three. Isn't that crazy? Um, they didn't even have that holographic technology yet. Look at that. <laughs> you know, Babylon Five has been a part of my life for over half of my life. That's wow. crazy to me. Yeah. Well, let's see. This is the. Uh, this is the 30th anniversary of the first of the beginning of the series. So the gathering came out 31 years ago, right? Late yeah. 92, somewhere in 92. No, early 90. Yeah. No, er, no, early 93. Early 93. So this is the yeah. So we're just over the 30th anniversary of the show of right. the gathering. I was 22 years old when it came out. I'm 53 now. So yeah. yeah, it's been over half of my life. That's that's nuts. Over half of mine too, but not. 
not a, a little less than <laughs> a little less than yours, unfortunately. Yeah, you're um, old and decrepit, and I'm still I, young and fresh. My daughter tells me that every day. Hundred um, <laughs> percent, absolutely. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, May fifth, nineteen ninety-seven, just over twenty-six years ago, and um, written by JMS, of course. I'm going to keep saying that for a long time. Directed by David Eagle. Of so course. One of our big ones, one of our big shot yep. directors there. Notable guest stars. By the way, why don't they have podcasts on Babylon 5? I don't know. It's Maybe a podcast. Podcasts are, they still have newspapers, Van. Podcasts <laughs> hadn't been invented yet. Oh my gosh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot the paper newspapers. That is so great. I'd like to think that Sheridan and Delenn were part of like a cult of preserving the ancient forms of communication. <laughs> And so they had Sheridan had that installed just for himself. And there's a, like an unaired episode. There's a cut scene where Sheridan takes Delenn over and says, "Look, Delenn, you can get a, you can get all your news on paper rather than on a screen." And she says, "Well, that's crazy, John." And then she's like, "Hey, this is kind of cool. I can even get eye on Minbar Minbar here through this thing." I oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I do think our our current media form that you and I are using at this moment. May not last forever, right? It'll turn into something else at some point. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So here are your notable guest stars, and I have to start with Tim Choate, the late great Tim Choate as Zatras. Yeah. Denise Gentile as Lise Hampton. Didn't expect to yeah. see her. No, that was that was cool. Yeah, and same actress. They didn't have to recap. Right. This is like the only girlfriend slash wife in the entire history of the show that wasn't recast over season. Right. She's the same one from beginning to end. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Mark Schneider as Wade. Really don't like that guy. Charles no. Walker as Ben. Who was Ben? Was, was I think Ben was the, the, the guy at the very beginning looking the for dad. his daughter? The dad, yeah, yeah, I almost forgot about that scene. That was a good scene, I forgot about it. That was, yeah. Uh, William Edgar's voice was played by Ephraim Zimblis Jr., who you may know from the old FBI show. I did not know that. He was the main guy on the FBI show back in, like, the 60s, the, you know, the, the old yeah. version of FBI. And do you know who his daughter is? No. Stephanie Zimblis from Remington Steel. Get out of Dodge. Yeah. That's kind of that's cool. So there's a nice six degrees of separation between like John Sheridan and James Bond. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's Pretty, that's, that's like wow. a three degrees of separation, right? Pierce right. Brosnan, yeah. That's... Pierce Brosnan, Stephanie Zimbalist, Ephraim Zimbalist. Um, well, yeah. There you go. FBI that's awesome. That's right. Uh, and then I got a note too for all of our celebration that Ivanova's back. Zach is back. Yes. I didn't realize how much I missed good old Zach until he popped yep. up again. Yep, I agree. I think can, that was that was cool. Can we say that Zach Allen is is he is he one of or the most underrated main characters on the entire series? I will not argue that. That's yeah, I think you're right. He's a great character and yeah. and well acted and well written. And he yet, has a he has a ton of great character moments that just come out of nowhere. And he's usually playing against those character moments come against one of the bigger characters, but it's always Zach involved with it too. And they're they're just they're really great moments. Yeah, I I, I think that so much of Zach is how he plays off of other characters. I think that's right. 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 That we exactly. don't give him enough credit. 
Yeah, exactly. We remember so many scenes where he and some other characters do something funny or poignant, but I don't know that he gets enough credit for it because yep. he's kind of the straight man a lot of the time. Right, right. But, yeah, I think we ought to appreciate. Let's just take a moment. Let's take a moment of appreciation for Zach Allen, <laughs> for um, Bobby Wheeler. That, <laughs> I know that some people think of him on Grease. I think of him as Bobby on Taxi, and I always will. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the first place I saw him was on Taxi. Yes, absolutely. Driving uh, Danny DeVito crazy. Um, he did. Is he another one that passed away, for crying out loud? He did. He did. He had he had the uh, um, addiction issue. But eventually passed away. It, from that. Even so, I know. And bless his heart. Did anybody have him passing away well before Danny DeVito on Taxi? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Danny DeVito wasn't that old when he was filming Taxi. He no. just looked. He he he's got like Wilford Brimley look. You know, yeah. Wilford Brimley when yeah. he re, when Wilford Brimley did uh, Cocoon when he played the seventy five yeah. year old dude. He was the same age as Ant-Man is now. He was only 53 years old when he did that movie. He looked like he was 73. Yeah. Younger than me. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was, my, he was my age when he did Cocoon. Isn't that yeah, crazy? That's, in, that's incredible. That's incredible. But yeah, that, yeah, that, it's, yeah. All right, here's a few random factoids and notes. Oh, do you have any? Let me ask you first. You got some. You usually have a couple or something interesting. Um... I do, but they, they are pertaining to another one of my categories, so I'll hold off on mine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I got a few things, as I always go out and search and dig around. All right. Um, well, my first thought was just, this is just me. Is it just me, or is the landing bay at the center of the Babylon 5 cylinder really small? It always it, small. it seems like small ships are going in and out of it, and they barely fit. Right. And when you throw in the fact that it's rotating, that... It always yeah. just bothers me they're going to have a crash. And they did have a crash in season one. <laughs> they did, think, yeah, yeah, exactly. Didn't help that Drazi's getting impatient, but yeah. Um, so my question is, why didn't they just make the, the opening to the landing bay round? So yes! when it was spinning, it didn't matter. But I don't, I, I don't know these things. I just, it, just seems like, it just seems like they could make the opening bigger so that ships aren't having to fit like a Tetris piece into the... Mm-hmm. into the interior. And it also seems like there can't be that much room inside there. So how many ships are there are going in there? I think they have mentioned a couple times where when like when something happens in the the loading dock, like when they had that strike or whatever, that ships stack up outside. So I think it's kind of like an airport where mm-hmm. you know, a plane will come in and then they'll unload it and then it'll go out and then another one will come in. Yeah, Susan I, I, deals I with all that. Better right, her I don't, than me. I, I don't think that there's parking for all kinds of ships inside. I think I think they can dock a few of them. Like um, Cautious Ship was inside for a while. That's where it parked. But for the most part, I, I think it's more like a, an aircraft carrier where ships go in and out, in and out all the time without, you know, staying for very long. If I designed that whole thing, I would have a completely separate cargo dock floating separately from Babylon 5 where ships could dock all around it, unload cargo and stuff, put it in like one big zero-G warehouse, and then yep. you could just drag it over by a little shuttle or worker bee ship over to Babylon right. 5 as needed. Right. Rather than trying to put everything right inside the station where all the people are. I mean, a, yep. an accident, you could kill quarter of a million people. Yeah. So, well, anyway, look at me trying to make this make sense. Um, it's a TV show, Van. <laughs> there, I need to put that on the soundboard now. That sh- that song where they say, 
Uh, I have to let you know it's just a TV show. That's the path of B5. <laughs> That's my favorite right? B5 song. Yeah, their, their, their album. I've got that CD around here somewhere. Um, let's see. We get, a, we get a little bit of the good Garibaldi at the beginning with the dad and the daughter so that we see, he, we see that he's still a good and likable Garibaldi in some ways. It's just certain parts of him have been apparently twisted. Right. But, but there's still the good-hearted you know, guy trying to help people. Especially yeah. when he doesn't charge him or gives him a big discount or whatever, right? That's the Michael yep. that we know. So that was good. Right. Um, I think it's important because you don't want him to be just a total heel, right? He's turned heel, but you got to remember that he's still in there somewhere. Right. And this plays into the ambiguity of, is this mm-hmm. Garibaldi doing this or is this his uh, programming doing this? So that's uh, we can touch that. That's another one of my, my categories. So we can touch on that later as well. Yes, that's good. Uh, we found out Zathras was born on Epsilon 3. Yep. Which is interesting. Uh, there are, t- well, nine now. <laughs> nine. <laughs> because Zathras passed away. Not, not Zathras. 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 Right. Zathras. Right. But we know that Zathras is trained in crisis management. <laughs> yes. That's one of the all-time great lines That's of so Babylon good, yeah. 5. Um, let's see. My question. I'll, I got a question. Yes. Maybe Zathras is like clones and he was grown oh. he wasn't born of a of a oh. mother he was just born of a clone tube well whatever. that's and why he, there are nine of him or ten of them nine did he go was he brought there by uh or created there or whatever by that previous guy that was running epsilon three for so long he was obviously before right. drawl right interesting i don't know yeah. I, don't, I don't know the origins of zathras um no few do uh, let's see. So some medical researchers may believe that, that one of the genes responsible for telepathy in humans has a potential to mutate into a communicable disease, lethal to other telepaths. Um, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Sheridan has proposed assigning the Rangers to patrol the borders between the various parts of alien controlled space. He wants to put, protect them from the Drock and others. And they were talking about putting them between the Nar and the Centauri, which is, which is like putting the... It's like the UN peacekeeping blue helmets going in between right. the Arabs and Israelis or the Pakistanis right. and the Indians. Yeah, so yep. good luck. Uh, the Centauri have had contact with the Drock in the past. Londo recognized the name. But yes. to him, they're just more like legends and boogeymen, right? Exactly. Well, spoiler space. So um, this, this, does, this does speak to something we touched upon last time. The Drock are older than a lot of the other races. They're not yeah. as old as the as the, the first ones. No. They're like 1.5, generation 1.5. Are they older than Mimbari? I believe they are. Wow. Okay. That, that, that's my, my personal opinion. I believe they are. Okay. Because if they have already been relegated to, to uh, the history books as myth and legends by the Centauri, right. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they're, they're even older than the, Min, the Minbari. Yeah. I, I have no proof at all of that. So if, if, if somebody out there does know definitively how old they are, I would love to hear it. Totally unrelated, but it made me think of it. I was thinking this week, if JMS did an anthology of Babylon 5 short stories, which would probably be the worst thing you could do, right? Because it just doesn't work in that format. But if he did, right. and if, if somehow I got to do one, I know what my story would be. What's that? I don't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give it away. Come on, man. This is gold. <laughs> Just why even bring it up? 
All right, I I'll tell you. Great, I have this great thing to talk about, but I'm not going to talk you. about it. <laughs> I was thinking, and I'm like, there's nothing left to tell, right? But I thought, you know what? If it's set back during like season one, season two, somewhere in there, which is where you'd want to set a short story, right? Because once you right. get into season three, there's nowhere to pl- it's, it's it's a lot harder to plug in a short story. Right. So if you set it back in the more episodic part. I would make a story about somebody who comes to the station and they are obsessed with the Vorlons and with Vorlon space and they want to go to Vorlon space and they keep trying to, they would talk to the different ambassadors trying to find a way to go. That way you'd get to see Delin, you get to see Jakar. It'd be kind of like yeah. Mr. Morden, but the opposite of that, right? Instead right. of somebody who's who's with the shadows and knows the stuff, it would be somebody who's not with the Vorlons and wants to know the stuff. So it'd be right. kind of the anti-Morden in a way. And I think that would be a right. fun character. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, like a Vorlon groupie? Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, and then, you know, maybe the twist ending is that he actually gets shoved in a shuttle and, and, and sent. And then, who knows, you know, come up with a nice twist ending there. I could, but I won't. But anyway, I just thought that would be a fun story. That would be where I would go yeah. with it. So if any of you blank blankers out there do that, uh, just put that the story's <laughs> based on my story concept um, for a fanfic or something. I don't write fanfic anymore. I used to, so I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, let's see. The last one, Ivanova might be vulnerable to some sort of telepath disease if it exists. Yes. I hadn't thought of has, that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, unanswered questions. If Daffy Duck represents Garibaldi, who does Bugs Bunny represent? Hmm. That would have to be Sheridan, because he's the foil to Daffy Duck. Or is it whoever got a hold of him back at the beginning of the season and has twisted him, perhaps? Whoever was like, remember when he was in the room and the sounds and everything, and he was... Right. We really still don't know exactly who that was. We kind of think we know. Right. So maybe whoever that is. See, Garibaldi thinks Bugs Bunny is Sheridan, but I don't think that's right. who, who he is. All right. All right. Um, how does even a brain-scrambled Garibaldi not realize the people he's talking to in this episode are exactly the same as the ones he was trying to stop from killing the president in, in Chrysalis? Because they are. Right. They. I mean, this, this, this Schneider guy, what's his name? I I don't oh, know crap. the guy with the gray, the guy with the gray hair. Uh, Wade. Wade, yeah. This Wade guy is totally. Does he not? I mean, you know, I guess maybe or maybe he doesn't have anything to do with Clark. I don't know. He I guess he works for for Eggers that we found out. But right, does he not right. seem exactly like all those Clark guys? He does. He does. But again, Garibaldi's you know been programmed maybe to be more receptive to yeah i I don't know fan i don't know maybe it's just that the acting is so bad because they're just (laughs) generic thugs thugs that that we can't we can't differentiate but maybe as written the subtleties are there i got a few more some of the again these are ones i thought of and then i got a couple more others from jms so my question here is garibaldi still living in the same quarters if they yeah. took away his gun, they took away his identity card, they took away everything else, why are they leaving him in crew quarters? I don't think that those are necessarily crew quarters, because remember, they had to pay for those themselves. Oh, uh, yeah. And he's paying through his detective Right. He's, he, according to him, he's making a good amount of money doing what yeah. he's doing. So. Well, he's probably about to make a lot more, the way it sounded at the end of this episode. Right. Did Susan ask Drawl for permission to visit, and if not, why didn't he shoot her down? That's a good question. We didn't see it. Maybe it was off screen. That Why could be, did he could? Oh, go ahead. He he could be more open to having visitors now that he's got all those refugees down there. <laughs> we still 
We're still keeping an eye on these alleged refugees. I tell you, they all died of asphyxiation five minutes after right. Susan dropped them off, so we don't have to worry about them anymore. They're outside. They're they're floating around outside his cave, like I'm making like a floating corpse. Um, all right, again, some rapid hits here. Uh, why did the bad guy in the air tunnel let Garibaldi go, and why didn't Garibaldi shoot him? Hmm. Play a player repre- re- recognized, play a game recognized game, Andy. There you go. Yeah, I like that. You sound like Ari Melber now. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Okay, <laughs> what collector thing was the team attaching to the exterior of the station? Did you catch that? Uh, I did because my wife even mentioned something about it. I was like, "What? What? Yeah." Collector? Was it part of the? It, it had to be where the drawl energy was coming up. The yeah, the epsilon. it was yes, it the, exactly because it was right there at the end. Yeah, there are some guys in spacesuits, so it was the receiver for the energy beam that was coming from epsilon. 3, oh, oh, oh you need power. Yes, <laughs> Drawl, build great projector. You put collector on Babylon Five. Yes, so he turned into he turned into. Londo there toward the end. So. Right, he was kind of like Zathra slash Londo. Which I'm is a sorry, nightmare. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't do this for a living. Uh, what was the What was the message from Lease that Garibaldi deleted unopened? That is a good question. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was dumb, by the way, of him. But okay. Yeah. But I guess we've all well, been in that I mean, attitude, though. Yeah, he wanted to cut ties. I mean, he he wanted nothing to do with her, but. And Lise will be back in future episodes. We have not seen the last of Lise. But the fact that she signed it Lise Hampton rather than Lise Hampton Edgars, and he still deleted it, surprised me. Yep. It's like yep. she basically let him know, hey, this is something important for you, and you shouldn't. You know. Right. I think because she broke his heart twice, he wasn't going to let his heart be broken a third time. Right. That's right. What exactly was the substance in the little acrylic block that Lise picked up? Well, I guess we're going to find that out, maybe. Right. Um, well, it was a paperweight. Is what it yeah. Was until they figure out how to open it was that something acrylic. they picked up at the airport uh, gift shop. I know it. Um, if Psychor did, in fact, program Garibaldi, and we've had every indication of that, and if they're okay with him working for Edgar's and maybe even wanted him to, how could they have known he would end up working for Edgar's? Is this what they wanted? I think so. Hmm. I, I think they they were were manipulating things to to push him down this path. Okay, all right. We may revisit this in the spoiler area then. Yes. But okay, good deal, good deal. Um, and then finally, and I'll get into JMS. But finally, if the telepath virus thing is true, could it be some kind of genetic time bomb intentionally implanted by the Vorlons when they created Ooh. telepaths? Yeah. Wow. Maybe yeah, the Vorlons wanted telepaths to be a short-term thing because they didn't want them around to bother them later, right? You right. need them to use against right. the shadows. Once the shadows are gone, you yeah. know, you hit the you, you hit the self-destruct. Yeah, you don't want any more of those uh, random telepaths becoming great, vast energy beings that spread right. their consciousness across the galaxy. Whatever became of Jason Ironheart? I know you see, we'll I see don't... him again in a million years, but... Right. That's, yeah. I kind of hmm. like that, that whole, that whole thing. Yeah. Kind All right, cool. a few a few things from JMS. Um, he, I'll just, I'm not going to read it, but JMS talked about how the scene with Zathras and Susan Ivanova was done in one take because he wanted to preserve all of the energy and enthusiasm and not break it up with cut, 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 you know, and all that. Yeah. And he was 
thrilled with how over four minutes of, of, of continuous action, they never messed up a line and they just kept their banter going that whole yep. time. They, they wanted to do it like a, like an Abbott and Costello type yeah. skit. So they wanted it to feel like a vaudeville type thing. And it was four and a half minutes, no camera cuts. Wow. So it was one shot, you know, just one camera. And the cameraman had to, you know, follow them around and stuff like that. And uh, they nailed it. At, they, they ended up doing 17 takes, but it was the, the second the second one that they used. They wow. nailed it, like, right away. I yeah. didn't know it was 17. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, I, yeah. I, yeah, I love the facial expressions all the way through it. I mean, everything about it is so good. So, And I've got more to say about it later, obviously. Yeah. Um, JMS says, I knew the, the Daffy Duck cartoon. I had it in mind when I wrote the script. It took some maneuvering to get Warner Brothers to let us use that much of it. Yeah. Uh, there were two places where it would have fit with the story. The other one, which I almost used, he says, was when you see two Daffy Ducks arguing with each other. So that's interesting. Ooh, that is yes. interesting. I like that. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think they refilmed Lee Hampton flashback, and it was just using the same script. They just refilmed it so she'd look the same, I guess, or you know, identical or whatever. Um, I figured they just went and got the same footage, but apparently they refilmed right, it. Right, yeah. Oh, interesting. Somebody it's asked the what, same actress. It is the same actress, right? Yeah, That's what we were saying. Somebody asked what what we didn't see. Delin, he says there. Um, it's too close in real time. You have to allow travel time for her to get to Minbar. It takes a while. Okay. Um, there was some protest that Lise was nothing but a woman in distress, and JMS said she didn't act. Basically, basically, he said she didn't act any differently than he would in the same situation, which I think is fair, right? It's not a lady right. in distress. He basically says not everybody becomes a hero when there's gunfire going off, you know. Right. And she is, I mean, it, just in the context of this story, not even getting into spoilers, she is a worm on a hook. I mean, yeah. she is meant to be a lady in distress because they are trying to get Garibaldi hooked on that, you know, yes. on that bait. That's a good point. Um, the JMS was asked, was there anything important in Lisa's message that was deleted? And he says, nothing you need to worry about. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Somehow I don't believe him now. Now I feel like it's even more important that we don't know right. what it is. In, th- in 26 years when I do a uh, animated movie to tie all, all loose ends, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see it in there, but maybe don't worry then. about it now. It'll be a post credit <laughs> scene in the, in the animated Babylon 5. <laughs> bring in Denise Hampton to do the Right. To do that, that would be great. It's it's a TikTok video. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. In the future, everything is a TikTok video. All right, last <laughs> thing, and then we'll get into the categories. George Johnson, the co-producer, gave a lengthy and detailed answer. I will not quote, but basically, there was there were people were asking if the whole point of PPGs is that they don't burn through the station. How are people blasting down doors and shooting holes in in air? You know tunnels or whatever you want to call it, passages air, you want to call it. air ducts ducts yeah. yeah and he says it depends it basically he had a long answer but it it comes down to it depends on the type of material and the thickness yeah which is what you'd probably guess right so they had to shoot for a long time to blow the doors down and right. then the air ducts weren't designed to be basically airtight in the sense of atmospheric pressure they just carry air right. conditioning or whatever so right yeah 
I, I say that they 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 have the power of plot. So yes, they are they are as powerful as the plot requires them to be. I do use a similar weapon like that in addition to regular firearms in my work in progress novel, um, my near future military sci-fi novel, just because it makes sense that you'd have a weapon that could be used on a spaceship without you know risking your your own life and everybody else's at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. Basically. But then- but then really? why not just wear armor made up of space station material? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say it's basically a, a really fancy and dangerous taser in a way. Right, right. But you, you it, but it'll blow a hole in you if you're not careful. <laughs> right. All right. What was your high point of this episode, my good man? My high point of this episode was the Zathras scene. That that just made the episode for me. It it made my day. I was having a, a kind of a crappy day yesterday when I was watching this, and I really enjoyed that scene. It just it brought a smile to my face, and it was super cool. And the whole scene, the whole reason Tim Choate was even called in was because the guy who played Draw, that scene was originally supposed was originally written for Draw to be there. But no. The, yes. The actor was John in Shook. a Broadway production and was unavailable for filming that week. So they were like, oh, crap. All right, well, let's rewrite the scene for Zathras and see if Tim's available. And sure enough, they brought him in and, and but, he nailed it. But how can Zathras be there when he went into the into the past on Babylon 4? <laughs> no, that was Zathras that went there, not not Zathras. Very different pronunciation. <laughs> that you, that whole scene was just priceless. I mean, just Zathras. look on Susan's face. Zathras, you are and, hearing, and, yes, right. And and the actor Tim Tote for Zathras so was pronouncing it very specifically, exactly identical. Exactly. I mean, it was, there was no variation whatsoever, and that's what made it even funnier. I remember the first time. I do remember the first time I watched this episode for that specific scene. I remember th- trying so hard to hear the difference because that's <laughs> right. you know what? Why would you not? Right, the first time you ever see it, and I remember thinking. I remember thinking, I can't really tell. And then you're like, oh, that's the point, right? But it took right. it, it took me a minute. Right. It that's took me a minute. Joke, man. Oh, it did. It took me a minute. I was trying so hard to figure out how they were different. And yeah, he said them exactly the same. Oh, that wasn't Zatras. That was Zatras. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love his laugh, by the way. It's awesome. Yeah. But yes, my high point of the episode is the entire Susan Zathras encounter is solid gold. Yes, it is. God, that's so good. Um, I explained it to my wife, and she just looked at me and said, I just don't understand this show. <laughs> 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 she, just, she doesn't get it. She doesn't want to get it, and she's never going to, never going to get it. No, no. Never going to get it. No. That's funny. That's, that's, that's the type of scene that you would have to have seen. Yeah. Episodes before to understand any of the references or humor. That is why this show works so much better in the long form. Right, exactly. Because it sets things up, lets them brew, lets them percolate behind the scenes, and then it capitalizes. Right. right. The, the callbacks are, are. The callbacks. Oh. Um, the low point of this episode. The low point for me was when Zach has to go to Garibaldi and get his, yeah. his PPG. I mean, the. Zach's quote-unquote betrayal in Garibaldi's eyes. That was a tough scene to watch because yes, it, it hurt Zach to have to ask for it, and it hurt Garibaldi that Zach did ask for it. I mean, you could see, and, and it was well acted. Again, mm-hmm. 
the actors are both very underrated. People, you know, bag on both of them, but yeah. I, I think they both, you know, performed spectacularly. Con- my, Connie watched that, and she's like, you know, she was almost ready to tear up when mm. when uh, when Garibaldi said that, the, you know, that 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 last bit to him. I mean, it was it was a tough a tough scene to watch. It was it was definitely a low point emotionally for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I I don't think I think you're right. I I had Garibaldi and Lee. So basically, Garibaldi had two very emotional scenes with people that mean a lot to him at each end of the episode. Right. And I think they're both low points, depending. On right. That. And and I think that was intentional. I think this is the writer bit, the writer part of me coming out. The opening scene, which which kind of seems like just a throwaway scene, just to give Garibaldi a, a feel good moment. That was showing him reuniting a family, right? Yeah. Giving something back emotionally yeah. to somebody that was desperate for it. Yep. And as the counterpoint to that, Garibaldi was being cut away from things that were emotionally important to him. Zach was a good friend of his, and he was being cut off from not Zach, but the security, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole se- the security department as well. And also lease be you know cutting that loose end from his past so he is separating himself from his emotional support people yeah to counterpoint him you know reuniting the the the, the family I, I think that was a very intentional on jms's part yeah that's good yeah i agree that's i hadn't thought about it that way something did occur to me by the way uh you were, we were talking about just a minute ago about how things work in long form versus short form and it's those callbacks as you put it Mm-hmm. I, we were just talking about third space, and that made me think. And again, I'm not going to give a spoiler. And uh, third space does come up a lot because it's an interesting standalone movie, as you guys will see. That haven't, if you haven't watched the series yet, it comes up at the end of season, at the end of this season, right? Yeah, it's in season I four. So, yeah, in a season yeah. four. Yeah, it calls back right to the middle of season, season four. four. Calls back yep. to early in season four. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's got a the, the most. This is what's funny that I'm saying is the most to me, and we're going to see when we get to it. To me, the most memorable scene in Third Space has nothing to do with Third Space so much as it's about two characters and kind of a, a long-running character callback thing. So that's, that's it, right? You can do like the equivalent of like a, a Star Wars episode of Babylon 5, and yet the memorable scene is the one involving characters coming back and reminding us of something that was set right. up ages earlier. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I, you probably know what scene I'm talking about, but we'll, we'll get to that later. I have no. I haven't seen that since it first aired, so I have no idea what scene you're talking about. All right, thirds. I'm putting it in the spoiler section, so spoiler listeners right. can can. Well, don't spoil me on it. Oh no, I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. We can, <laughs> we can talk about it. <laughs> You've seen it. Come on. All right, most Babylon Five scene, Eddie. <laughs> Uh, the most Babylon Five scene for me was uh, at the end there with the voice of the resistance because that was basically laying out again, yeah. you know, which which JMS does so well. You know, it, it was summarizing where we've been and where we're going. And did we ever get a heroic shot of Ivanova at the very end? Right, she's like the yeah. truth is back in business or something like that, and yep. looking, yep. looking, she's looking very tough and in charge there. Yeah, very, very, and her hair's down. Yeah, was it at the yeah. end? I don't know. At the very end, she might have had it back up again. No, it was down when she was doing that broadcast. I'm almost 100 percent certain right. that her hair was down. Good deal. Cool. My most Babylon Five scene is when Harry Truman Sheridan, 
<laughs> tries to assemble the United Nations now that the big war is over. Right. <laughs> it, it just felt so much like FDR and Truman trying to put together the UN and trying to get the Soviets to play ball with the Chinese, to play ball right. with the British, to play ball with the French, to play right. ball with the Americans, right? So it really is a UN in space, and they're trying to make it like they're, – they're basically trying to go from the League of Nations to the United Nations here. Yeah. As, as I put in a tweet the other day, because I've been reading – I just finished H.W. Brands' um, book on FDR called Traitor to His Class, which is so good. And now I'm like two-thirds of the way through the sequel, which is about Harry Truman versus Douglas MacArthur. It's called uh, the, the General versus the President, MacArthur and Truman at the Brink of Nuclear War in Korea. Yeah. And, and, and um, it's the, in both of those, you just get this whole idea of you know, how hard it was to get all these countries to get together and, and you know, work yeah. together and all. And that's what Sheridan's basically trying to do here is, is – um, forge some kind of a workable alliance that can actually keep the peace and not right. just have more And starting with the two most bitter and yeah. hated enemies, you know? I mean, that's like getting Russia and Ukraine to come together <laughs> and form the, the new basis of a new yeah. United Nations or something. Right, but it was a smart idea, because he's right. He says, if we can get you two on board, everybody else will come on board. If we can't, right. then they're no, not yeah, going no to kidding. anyway. Yeah. So might as well start yeah. with them, yeah. Yep. Um, and by the way, this was part of that scene, was a very Babylon 5 scene, is Londo and Jakar, and when they're in the same room together, presumably for one of the first times since the Shadow War ended, yeah. um, just the, the, the rawness for both of them, right? right. For bo- in, in different ways, but Jakar was almost wincing in pain at being near Londo, Right. And Londo was clearly embarrassed. He knows what he did and what he, what happened yeah. and everything and what he's put through Jakar through. And, you know, yeah. they're not the same characters that they were at the beginning of the series at all by any stretch. And they keep up that – they still have that blustery we hate each other thing. But by this yeah. point, I mean, come on. Well, I hate to keep bringing up my wife, but Connie said, boy, if you could cut – if yeah. you could ever cut tension with a knife, it would be that scene right there. She goes, that that was, just watching that scene as a casual viewer, that was tense. And, yes. it, and she's right. It was very tense. You could, Absolutely. I mean, just the way Jakar's posture, I mean, he was very stiff oh. and rigid, and you could see his shoulders were bunched together. I mean, it was very, very uh, tense. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, Londo was briefly Space Hitler. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jakar yeah. was was the Jews basically, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's still gotta it's still gotta creep Jakar out because Lano can play it off like, ah, you know, that was just me doing yeah. my politics and like, yeah. hey, I'm fun, I'm fun, Lando again. All right, let's you know, let's go have a drink. And that's that's di- very disturbing. I'm gonna give a spoiler here just because I think it's one that people do need to hear. Don't despair. Yes, fun Jakar is kind of gone for a while. But I think we do get Fungicar back eventually. Hang in there, right? I'm not yeah. going to say how or why or when. And it's not a ton of it, but we do. He, he's not like, you know, Space Gandhi forever now. He's going to be, right. you know, he has a sense of humor. So right. we will see some more Fungicar. I think uh, I think Jakar's character is the one that was transformed the most. I mean, he plays yeah. so many different roles in this oh. series throughout every season. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And he still stays true to his character, but... Yes. He's completely different in every season. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, uh, well, what was your favorite character moment? That might have been it. 
no, actually, my favorite character moment was the very beginning when Garibaldi and uh, reunites the father and daughter because okay. that was that scene showed season one Garibaldi, so it let us know yes that hey Garibaldi's not this super bad guy. Garibaldi's still Garibaldi, and he still has a heart of gold. Mm. You know, he's still a good guy. He's just got some issues. So it, it it gave us some hope because you know th- throughout the first part of this this season, you know I was kind of getting down on Garibaldi. He's like, man, he's he's just being a jerk. He's cranky all the time. He's making stupid decisions. He's gonna he wasn't betray, fun. You know, he Sheridan. wasn't fun right. to watch. Right? No, he wasn't because we had no hope. I mean, right? But now we see the side of Garibaldi where hey, he's still Michael Garibaldi. He still has a you know that that goodness in him. So mm-hmm. th- it gives us hope. Possibly for the future for Garibaldi. No, whether or not that whether or not that that pans out, we you know we we, we won't comment here. But yeah, there there's yeah. hope. There is keep hope alive. My favorite character moment is actually when Zach and Garibaldi were um, yes were talking at the beginning, and then from there Zach talking to the security computer. And I know that sounds weird to say, but I think it's really for me it was that Zach was back. And he was a Zach we could care about, right? We had a lot of sympathy for Zach there because we felt right. bad for Garibaldi in a way, but he kind of brought it on himself, or at least he seems like he's bringing it on himself. But right. Zach is put in that in unenviable position where he's got to obey Sheridan, and Sheridan's not wrong, right? But he still doesn't want to do something like that, and it just—he's just put in a very bad situation, and. I really liked that Zach could be gone for several episodes and come back and just pick right up, you know, right back and, up with what we like, right. how we liked him. Yeah, and he was competent. I mean, he was yes. he was doing his job and he did it well. And he figured out, you know, what Garibaldi was doing and he did his job well. That's and, I'd forgotten, but that's exactly where I was going when I said him and the computer, because when he's talking to the computer voice, that's just. Jeff Conway in a room by himself with like a disembodied voice. Yep. And he sounded competent. He sounded like he knew what he was doing. That's yep. really the first time that we've seen Zach in charge of security and we and I think you felt like he knew what he was doing and was really good at it. Up until right. now he, it's been kind of like, oh, is he going to screw yeah. this up? Kind of like the aw shucks guy, you Yeah. Know, is 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 he going to yeah, is he going to screw this up right? And uh, yeah, he, he showed. And the the tragic part about that whole scene is he was doing the right thing and doing what he was told and being loyal. And, and like you said, Sheridan wasn't wrong. But in the by doing all that, by doing the right thing, he drove Garibaldi even further towards mm-hmm. the dark side. He did. I'll put it this way: if I were John Sheridan and and Garibaldi resigned, I'm not sure I would have promoted Zach. I might have tried to find well. If he was still connected to Earth, I definitely would have gone and found somebody with more experience and all that. Right. I feel like they they chose Zach. I feel like they chose Zach because he knew the station. He knew all the other people, his experience or whatever. But he's still, I mean, this is the first time I really had any confidence in him that he could be a good chief of security. Right. I'm not sure how much how many options Sheridan had. Because remember, right. a, a good chunk of the, the force went the back to Earth. That's true. So, I mean, he may have been looking at the available, you know, pro, you know, the available candidates and was like, ugh, crud. I, I, guess, I guess that's the guy I go with because he's the only one that I 
can even halfway yeah. trust to do a good job. Well, just think if he hadn't gone night watch, that big blonde headed guy might have ended up as the head of security. <laughs> right. The guy himself. that we never did get his name. <laughs> never did. No, he was like guard number two or something the entire time. Right. Right. Yeah, he would have probably had a better chance of getting security chief than Zach. Well, crap, he could have just put a Tumbe there, and Tumbe could have gotten on first oh, shift God. that way. <laughs> where else are you gonna where else are you gonna find somebody that's willing to get up in the middle of the night when Ivanova's asleep to run the station though? Oh, Good point. <laughs> I wanna know how many times in season one before he learned his way around the station did Atumbe wake up Ivanova in the middle of the night to ask her a question. <laughs> Commander, I, I'm very sorry to bother you again. What? But which which docking bay does the does the Drazi ship go in? Ah. You know that she got uh, you know, woken up 50 times. They, he, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. There could be a whole series of a tomb base shift. Just call it a tomb base shift, you know? <laughs> and just, he could, every episode could be something about what's going on in the day shift, about the wars going on and all this stuff. And he's got to worry about the backed up toilets and the Pac Mara oh, section yeah. and all this stuff. Oh, oh my God, man. that would be priceless. You don't, you don't want to be part of that. A tomb, a tomb bay, Babylon Five after dark. <laughs> oh, oh golly! Well, funniest moment. Funniest moment for me. I wanted to use the Zathras thing again, but I've already used that for a different category. I know. I could have used it for half of these for sure. Right, exactly. So I went with another Ivanova moment when uh, at the beginning when uh, um, she was having trouble trying to figure something out. I forget what it was she was trying to. Oh, how to how to get power. This to, is to this is mine. You're correct. I have the same Dr. thing. Yes. Doctor Franklin came in and, and said, well, "Why don't you just go to Epsilon Three? And then she turned it around on him and said, yes. "Well, yeah, any fool could have seen that." And then <laughs> uh, she had she, uh, Franklin almost convinced that she came up with. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that I, was I, funny. I, I would. That would be the first thing anyone would think of. Anybody with any sense would you know would immediately say, "Go go right. to Epsilon Three, of course." Oh, that was so good. She had such good. Yep. Uh, this was really a good Ivanova episode, honestly. It, it 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 was a great Ivanova episode, and it's been so long since we've had a good solid Ivanova episode that it was it was awesome. And that was all the Steven we got, wasn't it? He just gotten back from uh, just got back from Mars, and from Mars. Marcus was was notably absent. Marcus was absent. That's right. Um, I also thought it was funny that the graphic we see at the very end of the episode for her TV channel. It has a little picture of her and just a very odd, candid pose where she's like looking. You know, it, it doesn't look right. like it doesn't look like her Facebook avatar or whatever yeah. icon. It looks more like they took the picture as she walked by out of costuming or something that morning, and she was like, "What?" And looked up, and, which was a weird choice, right? And then I the agree. thing that was even funnier than that—that that was down the bottom left-hand corner, up in the top center—is a picture of President Clark with the Ghostbuster Buster through it. <laughs> I just I like the fact that in 2261 they're still using the buster. Right, they're still they still got the circle with the line through That's, it. That's <laughs> that little circle of the line has just like gotten so into popular culture. It's like if it's like if they put up a graphic on CNN tonight and they used um uh, some symbol that the Pilgrims were using, right, <laughs> or right. Benjamin Franklin was using. You know, I mean. Oh boy, that's Uh-oh. good though. That's good. Um, that was really good. All right, who won the episode? Ivanova won the episode. Yes, I. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. I knew you'd get it. 
I knew you. She, did. I mean, she had great interactions with with people. Uh, she solved the problem. I mean, she went down to Epsilon Three and got everything sorted out there. She put on the the first episode of her podcast going out. Mm-hmm. So she did it. She did a great job. She definitely won that one. I said Susan won the episode, and we all the rest of us won the episode too because we got Susan and Zathras. Yeah. And that Absolutely. was that was the greatest ep- that was the greatest part of the episode. Yeah. Who lost this episode? Garibaldi. Yep. Garibaldi lost on multiple levels. We are simpatico. Yep. Um yeah, in so many ways. All right, here it is. How did you rate this one? And remember, we don't use the P5 scale. We use a 0 to 5 with with right. halves. So it's the same I, basically. I enjoy this one so much. I wanted to give it a 3.5. Yeah. But it wasn't it just wasn't that bang pow spectacular. No. So I gave it a 3, but it is a very robust 3. Yeah. This and it I mean, it, it was fun. It was a good episode in bits and pieces altogether. Yes. It was a, a good episode but not a great episode. It, it just it wasn't a knock your socks off episode, but it was a heck of a lot of fun to watch. So a solid solid 3. 3. Point zero. We are utterly on the same wavelength tonight. Yes, and yeah, I noted it wasn't a humongous episode, but if the the few really good things it did have were really, really good things. And right. Eve, I noted even the usually interminable Garibaldi soap opera was more entertaining this time. It feels like it's finally going somewhere. Right. Well, right. Tomorrow. I mean, it, it still had uh, the, the, the thugs. A little bit too too much of the thugs, but yeah, the one thug, the one thug that gray-haired Wade went to talk to at the <laughs> at the beginning about Garibaldi. That was such a joke because he looked like the nerdy band kid from high school that was trying to act all tough. I mean, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. You know, he he, it, <laughs> it was just terrible. I, I laughed at it. My wife laughed at it. It's like what they couldn't get a more intimidating actor to play a thug than this guy, and he was terrible <laughs> at it. And it was just like, oh my god, he made Wade look good. I, I have a bit of audio from Zaha Doom. <laughs> this is this is actual recording of the shadows when the Army of Light defeated them and made them leave the galaxy. And then of course the Ar- the Army of Light then came over and celebrated right in front of the shadows. Okay. So here's this recording of the shadows from Zaha Doom right after they lost the Shadow War. I love that audio so much. I just look for any excuse, any excuse to play it. It makes me happy. Yes. Um, to which the Vorlons replied, Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, we got to thank the patrons. I'm going to read a few patrons' comments first since I brought, I got them up here, and then I'm going to thank the patrons. Um, yes. So we had some good comments here. Uh, Colonel Dad says, I just re-listened to the solo episode. I was driving during my first listen. Your analogy struck me that Susan is the soul of the B5 station. I had not thought that either, but you're spot on. In many ways, she's the personification of the station. Uh, you take on Marcus. Uh, 
Oh, your take on Marcus, like that of Keffer, he is serving a specific role, is good, too. I appreciate bringing out new ways of looking at the characters and the storyline. I hate to think anyone is expendable, but in war and sci-fi sagas, who knows? And good luck right. with the nomination. Yeah, and I didn't, yeah, that was very nice, very kind. And you won that nomination. I, I should bring that up again. I did. Yeah, Valdis V won. I'm so excited. Um, and I get it. Somebody congratulates me here in a second. But anyway, Allison comes in and says, Delenn's Why Not from Severed Dreams and In This from Lines of Communication are in the same tone. I like badass Delenn. I have to agree. I think we all do. I agree 100%. She says, my comment about Franklin and his reluctance, that's, I guess, we were talking about how Stephen had, I mean, uh, Marcus had to encourage Stephen to go hit right. on a woman, which was flabbergasting <laughs> to some of us, right? <laughs> and, and Allison says, the reluctance is that he tends, the, the comment is that he tends to go after the more meek women. Number one is no shrinking violet. That's true. That's a good point. He does yeah. usually, man, he's like a predator. Yeah, <laughs> he, he goes, goes after the, the vulnerable yeah, he goes for the the uh, sick and, and diseased zebras. I, I just can't. I still, ever since you pointed out, I don't think I had realized it, but you pointed out when we covered that episode that that the lady, I think it was from the Long Dark, right? That that uh, yeah. that he's like, oh, I just brought you back to my my room because it was closer than Med Lab or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, Stephen, really? Okay, so that's a good point. Um, Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head says, so I love him, says, congratulations, Van the Pulp Award. I enjoyed the solo episodes, but appreciate the flow between me and you uh, both win together. Well, that's good. Well, we got some tonight, so hopefully everybody will. I, you know, I, I appreciate as much as, you know, as interesting as it was to do the solo episode, I much more appreciate the, the flow of just you and I bouncing stuff off each other. Yeah. Middle-aged Geek Tim says, yeah, baby, Austin is right. I, I don't remember the reference there, and I don't want to go spend an hour going digging back, but I'm sure people that follow <laughs> it would know. said, also, there is a legend of an actual female pope around 1100, so maybe this wasn't the first uh, female pope that happens in the 23rd century. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Boop, doop, doop, doop. Uh, Pete, the real reason Van avoids saying Dragon Con Furman. Uh, Pete says, <laughs> Pete says, I think the reason the episodes all seem to be kind of crawling along at this point, well, there we go, is the lack of consistent characters outside of Sheridan and Delenn. We got the Hope and Crosby Mars Roadshow this week. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, that's for sure. Yeah. With Marcus and Franklin. Uh, but for months now, Garibaldi only showed up once. Susan got one scene sending Sheridan on vacation and one more luckily dressed for bed. We haven't seen Jakar or Veer for the last four episodes in a row, and we only saw Londo in the same time frame for 10 seconds in Illusion of Truth. That's We've talked about how some characters right. have just disappeared out of the show for a while here. Right. Absolutely. Uh, congratulations, Van, on the second big win. I haven't read either of the two winners yet, but I did plow the first half of Lucian on flights back and forth to Vegas last week and looking for... Oh, yeah. Uh, Lucian, yes, that's my very first novel that was ever published. Um, well, second actually by Airship. So yeah, cool. Thank you. Uh, very much a Loki type story. Let's see, Ben. Look, mom, I'm on TV. Sort of Rose. People keep asking about ISN. As a vet who served overseas, I viewed ISN as similar to AFN. I guess that's the Armed Forces Network. Correct. You can't get ABC, NBC, Fox, etc. You can get cable news networks if you pay for a satellite system that carries them. 
but, but the Armed Forces Network was freely available because it used government-funded infrastructure, and those, and those AFN commercials were even worse than the Psychor ad. <laughs> I can good. only imagine. I can only imagine. It would yep. be like those, those, those cut scenes from uh, Starship Troopers. <laughs> yes. Um, I just want to point out here, how much I always enjoy the messages and comments and questions from our patrons. So, yes, you guys keep up the good work. We love having you as patrons. You keep the lights on in the studio and keep our keep us being able to do this. If you want to join them, by the way, I'm about to thank them specifically as I always do. But if you want to join them, go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, uh, or to the Podbean page for Babylon Five White Rocket Babylon Five reviews. You know. There's a number of ways to go. You can just go to patreon.com and look for White Rocket Reviews. And however you get there, just sign up, and you can be, jump on the message board type thing it has and leave us questions and comments, and I try to read all the, all the ones that are you know, relevant and, and all that, and pretty much all of them. So here are the fine folks currently keeping the lights on in the station. Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Ben Zane, I'm missing my category, Mr. <laughs> Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, look, mom, I'm on TV, sort of Rose, Debbie, no spoilers, Norris, <laughs> Dragon Condolin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jal Ja, Mondo Six, Michael O'Connor, Middle Age Geek Tim, Pete, the real reason Van avoids saying Dragon Con Furman, Steve Palmer, welcome back, guys. Andy has suffered enough regarding his war without end rating. I agree. <laughs> And yet I hit you with it again today or yesterday, didn't I? Something like that, yeah. Said, yeah, yeah it, it was, was yesterday on Facebook. Yeah, it was yesterday because you um, – oh, they, they were saying that, sh- that in the new movie, in the animated movie, Sheridan's going to bounce around through time and space. Right. They've said, this is not a spoiler. They've, they've, JMS has said this publicly. And I'm like, oh, kind of like War Without End. <laughs> Andy, huh? And, and what was my response? Maybe it'll be better this time or something like that. Make Maybe this time it will make more sense. Right? Oh. <laughs> uh, you're going to get piled on again now. It was a 3.5. That's a solid <laughs> episode. Come on, guys. Cut me a little slack. <laughs> I love it. It's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> Stu Parker, the geek boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul. I say with a terrible accent. I can't even barely talk tonight. I'm kind of hoarse. Remember, this? yesterday was my last regular day of lecture class until... Um, August or September, so I'll get my voice back hopefully now. Uh, Weird Al Bester, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone, and Michael Halbrook, we thank you all. Go to www.b5review.com. Uh, you can find the number of things stashed away there. It's one of our web pages. That's the web page for the show. There's also the Podbean page for the show and the Patreon page. So, All right. I guess the only thing left is to point out that our next installment will cover Rumors, Bargains, and Lies. That's 413, another one of these generic titles. And yeah. I'm going to just very briefly activate the jump gate. Jump gate activated. All right, we are now in spoiler space, which sounds well, a lot like Vorlon space. All right. I, I can bring up that one of our favorite characters comes back for a visit in Rumors, Bargains, and Lies. Oh, Who's that? That that would be uh, the the Narn, the Narn guy. What's his name? Talon. Um, hold the on. Sam- Samurai Narn. No, I'm sorry, not the Narn. The the Minbari. Nerun comes back. Oh, Talon was Talon <laughs> is so much cooler than Nerun. <laughs> he is. I I like Nerun. Nerun's eh. Nerun's kind of a kind of a uh, a conflicted character. Well, 
Yes, but remember, at first, Nehru's purpose is to be the face of the bad Minbari, right? The right, the, the adversarial Minbari. Right. He, he he's the arrogant British Minbari who knows right. better than the than Delin and looks down his nose at Delin and talks down to Delin. And you just want to kick his little face in. And then if something happens later, that's fine. And, and again, this is spoiler space. We can say he does. He, he, yeah. You know, he gets his redemption before it's over, obviously. But, right. um, but yeah, so still want to and kick we'll his see, face in. And we'll see more of Talon, too, at some point. <sighs> Love Talon so much. Yeah. Um, so, Delin's on her way to Minbar. You reckon anything interesting will happen when she gets there? <laughs> that's the other yeah. plot line running along with the Garibaldi one and the, uh, right. and the Earth... The Earth uh, Clark thing, right? Right, and I I remember just really digging that whole Minbari Civil War thing. Oh yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really cool. So good, I think it's done really well, and it's it's another one of these that doesn't take as many episodes as you think it does, right? But it feels like it's a big epic. <clears throat> well, yeah, because it, it percolates in the background for several episodes without you know them even mentioning it, and then it comes it suddenly it. it comes to a head and it's like holy cow this has been going on for a while now yeah it's amazing how much they do get in this season considering that there are as many episodes where not a lot happens as we've been talking about right all right the only other thing i've got and we'll get out of here is i was saying third space has a memorable scene and it has nothing to do really well it has a little to do with the plot but the the thing to me that's most memorable looking back at third space is not the evil hyperspace aliens or the spaceships or even Sheridan with the nuclear weapons or whatever, the thing that jumps out to me is the scene where Zack gets in the elevator with Lita. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All and right. again, it's it has to do with the plot in that she's kind of hypnotized or something, so she doesn't really hear what he says. Right. Right. But it, but it's it's just Zack pouring out his heart. You know, there's been a kind of a will-they-won't-they-get-together kind of a thing brewing through there, through season four, you know, and everything, and... Just like Garibaldi with Talia, you get you always have to have the security person and the and the telepath apparently kind of flirting or whatever. Right. <laughs> and uh, but that's the most memorable to me because it's the one that's the most grounded in characters and emotion rather than just spaceships flying around zip zap zapping each other. Right. Exactly. I agree. And that's another one of those slow burn build up things like we were talking about. So. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? My only question for you is how are we going to handle this new animated movie? Are we going to review it as it comes out? We don't even know how it's going to come out yet or when it's going to come out. But That's it. I'm I'm assuming we're going to cover it, but do we wait till the end of the series and and stack it in there or do we do like a hot take on it right when it drops? I think we got to do both. I I I like that idea. And somebody mentioned, I think it was Pete, maybe mm-hmm. it was Pete, mentioned that we should do the um the patron uh, watch along uh, watch party, party. Yeah, yeah, the watch party. Yeah, yeah. I, be, you know, that, that would de- be fun. Depending on how it's available and how the technology works, I'm, right. I'm down for that. Because that would nobody has nobody will have seen it yet, so we can get just like fresh react. I, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see what how how this is going to air and when and all that stuff, and see if we can't uh, work something out because that would be a blast. I think that would. No, I'm 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 in agreement. So. It, it, there'd be some logistics to it, yeah. To make sure we're all linked, synced up, and somebody's not five minutes ahead or whatever, you know, because that would kind of mess right. it up. Um, yeah. Like if we're sitting here saying, "Oh, look, it's 
look, Londo did so and so, and somebody's like, I can't believe they killed Delin. We'd be like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> wait, hold on here. Well, I know some streaming services have that party watch function available. Yes, so that's something we'd so, look into. And we should we should also invite like Peter Jurassic or something to join us. <laughs> I'm sure we got that kind of pull in the industry. Right. Me, right? <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, All right, my friend, I'll let you run. Um, we always right. manage to get a good hour and twenty minutes or so out of it, and we do it always. Yep. That's good. So I hope that everybody enjoyed this. Join us in two weeks when we will. Do some rumors, some bargains, and some lies. And uh, in the meantime, Andy, take it easy. All right, you do the same, Van. Take care. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.